0: Let's talk about it.
1: Hello and welcome back to Thick Radio, the podcast where we talk about gaining, fetism, and everything in their orbit. I'm James.
0: And I'm Tim, so let's get into it. Timbo, how are you today? Doing okay. How about you? Mm. I'm good.
1: I've got a fresh cup of tea. I'm sat. I'm feeling pretty. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I was thinking about this just today. Um, my food budget has actually gone up recently, and obviously, around the world, we're all kind of feeling the economic pinch. I mean, forever and a day.
0: But yeah, it kind of feels like now more so than ever. Like the price of milk is just. Yeah, inflation has, uh, has has become a bitch these days. <laughs> the rising cost of food, gas, um, <clears throat> travel. Like, travel is really not something that most people can do anymore.
1: Yeah, I feel like there was this boom sort of in the early 2000s, maybe to like 2010s, early 2010s, where it just felt like travel was just life almost, you know? Like, what do you mean you're not traveling? Opportunities are there, and... I don't know, it, it it definitely does feel like, economically speaking, we've gone back a step in terms of what we can access, and, you know, we, we had the idea on the books for a while to do some kind of budget episode, like, obviously, mm. that's what today is about kids gaining on a budget, but I don't know, it just always felt like there were just more pertinent things to talk about, but, yeah.
0: But now both of our countries are facing a financial crisis, so... <laughs> So now is the time.
1: And I suppose like, before we really get into it, I suppose we can talk about the kind of existing narrative around budget within gaining. Because when you think about the amount of people who have an OnlyFans and a Patreon and a this, that, the other, and obviously the line of logic is that gaining is expensive. Yeah. It is a help to earn some extra dosh to make the gains happen. But what were people doing before that boom to finance their gains
0: oh god when would that have been that would so before 2010 is was that uh was that the years of these st- over here we had the stimulus package but i can't remember what year that happened i don't know mm. that was during obama's administration i just don't remember what year and before <laughs> before i was making you know decent money i wasn't really gaining so mm. Like, that's always a conversation,
1: right? Like, how do you afford to gain? Because it feels like you could work more to earn more or do certain jobs to earn more, but typically those things get you off your butt, make you work physically, manual labor. And so the kind of payoff in terms of weight potentially gained or money saved is kind of balanced out by the exhaustion. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. For me, I think I've always been very budget conscious. And for me, this comes from being raised working class, because ain't nothing free. Yeah. And you you better look your mother in the eye when you take that extra spoonful of chocolate sauce. (laughs) You better justify to her why three cents extra went into that glass of milk when there won't be those three cents left over afterwards. So you know it's 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 a bit of a hard one, I think sometimes, but I would also challenge listeners to consider that gaining doesn't have to be so expensive in my opinion. Uh-huh. I think cost is very much a thing. I think finance is an undeniable aspect of it, but also sometimes I find that like when I talk to people because you know that I cook yeah. right and I'll describe the meal, and they go, "Oh my God, that sounds so sumptuous, so delicious." Cost-wise, it probably works out to be maybe like $5 worth of ingredients Mm -hmm. sometimes to put like a nice, nice meal together. Obviously, that's not every meal, but I think there are just some tips and tricks that maybe people are missing out on. So, that's what I want to kind of cover today. But, you know, before kind of diving into more of that, being slightly older, I feel like you probably got a different experience with how you were raised to handle money. Like, what was your
0: kind of, like, what did your parents tell you about money? Uh, Well, they tried to instill um, frugality, but it didn't quite take, um, because I'll be completely honest. Once I got a job that I was getting some decent money, not great, but decent money, I developed the uh, mindset of, well, I've got, you know, this much in the bank, I can afford this, or I can afford that. And I really sort of like stopped. I mean, honestly, I budgeted because I was poor. And I really couldn't afford to do anything that I wanted to do. Now that I have the ability to, you know, like I I've I've been on the the cruise twice. I've I've taken some other trips. Like I've I had a decent nest egg to like fall back on. And since then I've kind of been like going willy-nilly with things like DoorDash. <laughs> Yeah, the
1: the pandemic was a bit of a breaking point for me. And I think for a lot of people, I had the, the privilege to be on furlough for the first uh, couple of months of the pandemic. So I was earning the exact same amount of money, but I was doing no work and going nowhere. So all I had was money for food and for takeout. And of course at the time, weren't they just saying, oh, you need, you need to shop local. You need to buy food from, from the, um, from the restaurants, or they'll go under, you know, eat out to help out, was a public campaign that happened here during Yeah. Same here. And obviously as a gainer, I was like, well, this is my, my, my on bound duty to to go in and help out.
0: Um, I really wish that I had been able to experience that. You know, as an essential worker, I had to work through the whole thing. Like, I I didn't get any time off because of uh, COVID scare.
1: You know, I feel like that's another episode we're going to need to talk about, especially as we come not saying that COVID is over. We're not saying anything that about it. Just because the news stopped reporting doesn't mean that shit's not still happening, people. Um, I imagine it's probably more under control now, seeing as hospitals aren't seemingly
0: overrun as far yeah. as yeah I, I think that it's gotten to and and faster than I expected I think it's gotten to the point where it's going to be like the flu where it's going to be like flu and COVID season yeah so you know you'll be getting your booster shots or your updated vaccines every fall like you do with a flu shot yeah which is totally fine and I
1: think just as time goes on and we get a little bit further away from what was the essential pandemic it's going to be quite interesting to reflect on what life was like beforehand what it was like during and what it's going to be like after, as we come to learn and understand this environment that we now find
0: ourselves in. Do you ever sometimes wonder about like the future, like say, um, 20 or 30 years from now, say like your niece or your nephew come to you and they're like, what was it like, you know, because they would have been too young to remember, or they would have like sort of sketchy memories of it if they were in grade school, you know, and then they come to you. Have you ever, do you ever think about what it would be like to be asked that question? You know, what I find really
1: interesting and uh, sorry, listeners, this is probably a bit of a a segue here, but, you know, I don't think anyone who lives through a major world event ever thinks to themselves like, oh, it's going to be interesting to remember this exact moment because this is going to affect however things go down in the future. Like people who live through any war or occupation or any social movement, like you don't necessarily think, oh, like, what was I doing that day? Well, I was doing the dishes and then all of a sudden there was a march. Like, you Mm -hmm. just think it was a sort of vague amalgus time. I don't necessarily ponder what that will be like, but I also think to myself that what we're seeing at least now coming through COVID is not quite so the devastation that we've seen in the past. Like I think the last really major pandemic, uh, and this is not of course to discount our queer brothers and sisters and envies with the AIDS epidemic, uh, but the Spanish flu. Yeah, primarily in America. So, you know, I think the way that was handled, the way that was response to showed that it took about 10 years for things to kind of level back out again for people to experience some semblance of normalcy. But for us, I mean, I would like to think that despite feeling like we're going backwards in many aspects of the world, perhaps at least this we've moved forward enough where maybe in the next two to three years we'll see the end of that, you know, and we'll 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 have achieved a sense of normalcy who can say. Yeah. I like to live with my fingers crossed uh, so <laughs> I don't want to you know be all doom and gloom about it all I think there's plenty of people out there doing that already and here we're talking about some good shit, like budgeting so I would say for me my experience with budgeting like my mum didn't tell me fucking shit about money
0: <laughs> didn't, didn't <laughs> to anything. be fair neither did mine in fact I think they left it up to the public education system at the time because when I was in grade school I remember we used to go we did this this uh this day at a place called exchange city which I'm sure that there's like places like this all over the U.S. but it's, it's a program where kids go and they're supposed to learn how society functions like for a, a day you you're given a job you're paid a wage you um you're able to buy things you're able to write checks you know of course they're fake but uh it was sort of a way to get you to understand what being an adult was although I think if they had saved that until we were in high school, it would have been a lot more useful because, you know, if you do it in fifth grade, you're not going to remember it 10 years later. Yeah, we, we didn't have anything
1: like that when I was in school, but I do remember when I was living in Queensland, there was like, when I was in primary school, like a driving day, but we went to this like basically giant playground with miniature roads but we were riding on bikes.
0: Oh, uh, safety town. We have those, yeah. That was so weird
1: to me. Um and super embarrassing because I wasn't off training wheels yet. Uh, <laughs> but that's also because we were poor and didn't have fucking bikes. Uh <laughs> so <laughs> again, things growing up working class. It's like kids are like, what do you mean you don't know how to rollerblade? What do you mean you don't have this? Like, I,
0: if it makes you feel any better, I was 11 before I learned how to ride a bike. <laughs>
1: Girl, you see? Same shit. Same fucking shit. Similar ages. Um, but yeah, look, to be to be plain, growing up, I was not taught financial literacy. And I've got to be honest with you, I, I wish I had. I wish I had, because I feel like there have been times in my life where, uh, at the behest of partners at the time or friends, I found myself with access to finances and have been encouraged to indulge in them. And of course, you know, at any moment where that happens, you think to yourself, oh, well, you know, I deserve it and it's fine and I can make that money back and oh, it's a bit extra and, you know, things you tell yourself and I don't know, maybe we shouldn't, (laughs) maybe we should be more conscious of the limitations of our financial structure. But hey ho, it's all a learning lesson. And listeners, I'm sure each of you have probably had a moment, especially as you've gone through those developmental years thinking, God, I... I I wish someone, someone with a bit of knowledge had tapped me on the shoulder and said, you don't need to spend that money
0: on it. You don't need that. You can- Well, my parents tried, but I didn't listen because by that point I was independent and I was like, I'll spend my money on whatever I want. Well, I think as well, like when it comes to gaining,
1: when we think about like the idea of like cost, I don't know about you, and this is no shade to listeners, but I feel like the cost- is never in reference to like groceries
0: the cost is only ever mentioned in conjunction with takeout. Take, it, take out or fast food in some capacity yeah. yeah it's very rare that you see like a gainer publish to you know anyone like oh this is what this was my grocery list so this gives you guys an idea of how much i've had to you know spend on food
1: And you know, it's really worth considering, and this is not to besmirch junk food, because obviously I love a McDonald's, how often do I post about it? But when you think about like the average cost of a takeaway meal, it's like 10 bucks, right? It's about like- Well,
0: (laughs) it's more like 20 over here.
1: So it's, it's an amount of money. And when you think about it, like if you sit down and made yourself like, I know, bear with me, you cook the food and you prepare it at home, you'd probably find that the cost of the ingredients was a lot less than the takeout. And I wanna ask you, in your opinion, do gainers underestimate the cost and value of food to a degree?
0: I'm sure they do, I know I did. I mean, you know, I uh, I thought, well, and and because I didn't understand how my body was going to handle the weight gain, I thought, oh, you know, I just have to eat a little bit more than I normally would, and I'll start to put on weight, you know, to this point in my life where I'm like, if I'm consuming less than 3,000 calories or whatever, I'm going to start losing weight. So it's just, I didn't expect that uh, it was going to be such a a difficult process for my body. You know, I thought it would be easier, and therefore I could be spending less money and came to find out, nope. (laughs) You're going to have a very hard time gaining weight and you're going to have to spend a lot of money to accomplish it. Yeah, I think, again, that's
1: another point to consider, right? Because ultimately, the way you gain weight is a factor. Some people, at the end of the day, do not need as much food to gain as much weight. Some people can do more with less. We don't know why. We don't know how. If you crack the secret and can give it to me, that would be great. But until such a time... Uh, We kind of just have to accept that we all can only do what we can do with our own resources, and that's kind of the end of the story with that. Um, But you're right, like, the way you gain absolutely affects costs to a degree. As a more established aged person, I want (laughs) to know from you, how do you outline a budget? Well, even, um,
0: even just like your monthly budget, like how oh, expenditures, How do you? Well, it's basically, you know, I, I look at how much um, I, I have in the bank at the moment or how much my paycheck is going to be. And then I figure in, well, my mortgage, then all of my utility bills, um, the extra stuff like Internet, phone, car insurance. Um, I, I have a dog, so I'm paying for pet insurance as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then whatever's left over is like my food, gas and entertainment budget.
1: Yeah, I think for me, the way I always understood it was, you know, you can predict what you'll earn for the month based on your rate, based on your hours, look at the consistency of your paycheck. Yeah. So you draft that up. And from that, you have to deduct straight away rent, mortgage bills, necessities, really. And we're not talking groceries at this stage, unfortunately. Um, but in, including things as well, like gas or petrol money, uh, just what you know you're going to be spending. And then what you've got left over, in theory, you then split in half. One is, one half is for savings and the other half is just your general enjoyment in life, right? Generalised expenditure. Um, but within that comes groceries and groceries are always kind of left till the end. And, you know, it, it can be a little bit challenging sometimes, but I think therein lies a little bit of wiggle room, honestly. Um, But stepping away from like food budget for a second here, I actually want to ask you something potentially a little controversial. Um, Feeding sessions. Yeah. There is a conversation forever and a day about who is supposed to pay, or if you split it, how much does each person pay? Because some people are very passionate about one way or the other.
0: What is your particular take on that? How do you like to do it? Oh God, it's kind of like trying to figure out who pays for dinner on a date, isn't it? <laughs> you know? Um, now, uh, I kind of look at it case by case. I mean, if I'm going to meet up with a feeder who is around my age and is, you know, established, we have that conversation. You know, that person is like, I will provide this, this, and this, what, you know, and then I'm like, okay, well then I'll provide this, this, and that, um, but with someone who's maybe uh, a bit younger, less established, maybe still in college, maybe hasn't quite found the career that they're looking for yet, I'm willing to work with people. You know, I am like, I can pay for my own food if you just want to be the cheerleader that helps me, you know, get through the meal or whatever. But, um, yeah, I just uh, I'm not so stringent about like, you no, know, you're the feeder, therefore you pay. Mm-hmm. Um it's just just have that conversation with people if you're going to have a session like that and just figure out what's going to be, you know, the, the most fair and the most cost effective.
1: Yeah, I think if you are old enough to consensually participate in a feeding session, you are old enough to have these types of conversations and you should always have these conversations. Even if you have like rapport with someone, like someone's financial situation can shift on yeah. a dime, especially these days. So definitely always check because that makes sense. But also, you're absolutely right. Sometimes people don't have financial access to gaining. And this is a little bit of something we could probably talk about today as well. Um, when you consider a lot of other kinks and fetishes, like leather, mm-hmm. for example, not everyone can afford brand new fucking leather bits and pieces. And not everyone can afford a full outfit. Some people can barely afford a vest. call of the day so i think it's really worth considering someone's ability to have access and if they need an opportunity to be let in and you can mitigate that with a bit of the financials i don't see there's anything wrong with that i think give someone the opportunity but again have that conversation and understanding don't build an expectation either where you are always going to be paying for someone or where you expect someone to always pay for you that i feel like could be an ironic recipe for design, yeah. <laughs> um, but on that, you know, I think we we talk about this quite a bit. Gaining is not something we should socially gatekeep. No. Right? We should not use gain shaming to gatekeep and not should we gatekeep anyways, but by the nature of what gaining is, I do believe it is economically and financially gatekept, and I don't think there's anything we can really do about that.
0: Yeah. That's, that's kind of beyond our control.
1: Because when you think about like your ability to access typical gay sex, my ability to access cock is not financially kept. If I am doing my part as a reasonable sociable human being, I can most likely find someone who wants to present me with their cock and
0: I don't have <laughs> to have
1: money because that's the tea, right? Like that. yeah. It's not financial. Yeah, okay. Even what we were saying. With, I present
0: thee with my cock.
1: Now, how much am I paying, Tim? Is, <laughs> how much do you pay for If some random person came up to you in the street and said, I want that dick, how much? I'd be like,
0: it's, I'm not. I'm not for sale. Like, what's the going rate? Oh, I don't know. I'm pretty cheap. Buy me dinner and I'll probably do it. <laughs> there you go. Listeners, paying attention. Um, for me, I, I don't
1: know. But again, let's start with dinner. Let's see where we wind up. Um, But as I was saying, you know, financially gaining is a little bit gatekept because ultimately in order to gain and have access to the games, you have to have food and you don't get food for free anywhere. No, unfortunately. to be like living in your parents' home.
0: Well, I suppose you could go to a food bank because they do give food out for free. Although I think... Going to a food bank when you can afford to buy your own food and taking away from people who can't is really tacky. Again, the modern
1: environment, I think, uh, I would not personally encourage any gainers to do that.
0: No, I, I wouldn't either. I think that's it's pretty bad. That's really inappropriate, I think. Um, yeah. yeah. Though I have known people, not gainers, but I've just known of people um going to food banks despite the fact that they can't afford groceries just because they want free food and i'm like that's 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 meant for charity come on yeah it's no we
1: don't we don't endorse
0: that here on thick radio no.
1: we'll endorse a lot of the decisions you all want to make because it's your right to make them uh but don't do that to food banks especially right now that's really poor taste um i, I love the puns honestly but yeah gaining is financially gatekept, and in your opinion does the general gainer populace like is the general gainer
0: populace aware of this and if so do they understand this i think so yeah because i believe that the, i mean if i were going to break this down statistically i think that there's more people on gainer social media platforms that are younger and less established than are older and more established in their careers like a lot of, like if you take beefy frat for example The old beefy frat that was aimed at college students you know and unless you had parents that paid for a you know exceptional meal plan most of them were eating ramen and tuna every night you know so i don't know i i think i i wonder
1: sometimes when i look at gainers and you know i will say here this this to me often comes down to the paid platform conversation not obviously that people shouldn't but I think some of the conversation I've seen around paid platforms is what I think boils down to an expectation for a yeah. I think people I've seen who have an expectation, well, in order for me to gain, because I can't afford it right now, someone needs to pay. Mm-hmm. And I should have access, so you should therefore pay. Mm. But of course, your sexuality is not my responsibility. It's not anyone's responsibility, but your own. And also, if something is co-mutual anyways, you should be doing things with the co-mutual benefit of the person you're experiencing it with. Your feeder slash encourager is not your piggy bank, they're your partner in this limited sexual liaison. So, I don't know. This isn't aimed at anyone in particular. I'm just saying I have seen these posts. I've overheard these conversations. Mm -hmm. There are people out here who think this way, and I do think that needs to be challenged because ultimately it is a privilege to have access to do the gaining we hear this conversation a lot with certain guests you know um one coming from Colombia and south america and southeast asia you know with the husky gym and these conversations not everyone has access Mm -hmm. and i think to a degree we need to be willing to accept that that is just the nature of our access to food at this current point in human history yeah we just got to get into that so i don't know i think for many of us who work There is an understanding that this is what you do and you just kind of got to get into it. And I do think as well, that when you work and earn your money and that is all you have, I do think it gives you a stronger sense of, I have to be mindful of how I manage my money rather than looking for handouts or, or asking. And I've also received that before. I've been on the receiving end of people who think because I post a lot about the food I cook, that somehow it means I have excess cash to give them, and I don't quite know where that comes from.
0: (laughs) I don't, I haven't quite run into that, but I've had a few times where I've gotten a DM and I start up, you know, a conversation with someone and it leads to them asking me to buy them dinner or something, you know, like send it via Uber Eats or DoorDash to their house. And I'm usually like, well, we just started talking and I don't really know you. And as much as I'd like to support your gains, uh, you know, I got to feed myself too. So. And I also
1: think, um, the sustainability of that model is something that comes to mind. Like if you're really looking to gain, why are you asking someone to buy you a meal on DoorDash? Why not ask them to donate towards your grocery fund? because you can do more with groceries and that you can stretch further rather than just the junk food, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, I think there's a part of me that also wonders about the sustainability of paid content because ultimately that's a source of income that relies on the sustained uh, sponsorship of a set number of individuals. And your popularity. And your popularity, you know, do people want to invest in you? And I think with the over-inundation of the market and I don't know, again, the economy as it is right now. I don't think most people can sustain that. So I think just to listeners who are thinking this could be your meal ticket or your answer, I don't necessarily think that's true. And I think you, again, have to decide what you want to do with that. We've had conversations before. In fact, Monty came on and did an episode talking about paid content and how it very much is a job and it's a dedication. So go back and check that episode if that's something that you're considering. But
0: it's me. almost a, a second full-time career.
1: Yeah. I mean, I can say that even just doing this podcast. It's hours in every single day. So if you want to do something, be aware it's going to take time. Straight up. On the notion of it's a full-time job and talking about paid content, did you see that video that went around for a bit? It was that one influencer. She She basically said... You've got the same 24 hours in a day that Beyoncé has. You've got no excuse. Like...
0: I mean, I suppose that there is some truth in that. I've heard that expression, that there's 24 hours in a day, There's tw- or something like there's 24 workable hours in a day. But um, I don't know. I suppose that comes down to personal lifestyle and work ethic. I mean, me, I... I value being able to sleep when I need sleep and I value time away from everything to just do whatever it is I want to do, whether that's play an internet game or watch a TV show that I want to watch, you know, like I value being able to do that as well. Like the, the idea of constantly being embroiled in either my primary job or my secondary job and having no other time to do anything else really like that would be maddening.
1: I, I, I think there's
0: two points to be made to that. I mean, firstly,
1: we have the same 24 hours that Beyonce does, factually incorrect. Beyonce has carers and personal trainers and she has chefs mm. and she has all manner of staff who she pays through her millions to do everything in her life for her. Whereas you don't. You don't mm. have, you do not have a cleaner to clean your house, to do your laundry. I to wish cook- I did you right because you could do so much more but that's the truth you don't have the same 24 hours but you also don't have the same 24 hours as anyone else and let's take this moment to reference other gainers in this community people who we see succeeding you don't have the same 24 hours as them because someone's ability to dedicate as much time to weight gain might come from the fact that they have a job they can work from home Mm. or a job where they are a casual contractor and charge 10k a pop. Mm -hmm. So in that instance, you don't have the same access. You have to work your job that you're doing at the moment, whether it's manual labor or not. And so we don't have the same lifestyles. We don't have the same 24 hours. And I think this comes to ultimately the point we want to make about budgeting, which is your life is not going to be like anyone else's life in order to budget effectively for yourself in a way that allocates for gaining. It's going to have to be personalized. It cannot just be clear, cut and dry. Mm -hmm. And I think we both have some experiences and tips we can give in this episode to speak to generally what might help. But don't just take that shit verbatim. Take it and apply it to yourself and use some logic. If things need to be tweaked for different reasons, tweak it. But that's what's going to work for you ultimately. So I want to ask you here then, what are your tips to listeners when it comes to budgeting?
0: Uh, i'll be honest i've not really been paying much attention to as much attention to it as i should but in general um obviously like we said earlier uh get all of the uh, essentials out of the way first don't wait on that because the last thing that you want is to be scrambling to pay a bill and you realize like oh i don't have enough money to cover this now because i went out and i you know, spent uh like I went out for food every single night for the last two weeks, you know. Mm. So yeah, be be get get the essentials out of the way first and realize that um just just for your own peace of mind that there's only so much you can do with what you've got. Yes. You know, if you're working a job where you're making minimum wage, it's gonna be harder. Yeah. And give yourself grace for that. That's not your it's not your immediate. What am I trying to say here? It's not. I'm trying to say it's not your fault, but I don't want to say like that in in terms of like it's you're doing something wrong. I'm saying like whatever job you have at the moment or whatever finances you have access to, that's what you have to work with. And beating yourself up about not having more isn't going to help. I do think that's the right approach though,
1: because I think. Even if we don't beat ourselves up, other people want to beat us up for it. Oh, you're not, is that all you're having for lunch? Oh, you know, so-and-so had more than that. You know, oh, I thought like a real gainer could do this. Oh, well, you're never going to gain weight if that's all you're eating. Like there are plenty of people who want to throw out remarks that in their mind are going to help you, but it's not. It's just straight up judgment and no one's got the right to do that. But Tim is absolutely correct here. You've got to give yourself grace first and foremostly. I work the job that I work and earn the money that I earn and it only goes so far. If this limits how much I can gain, I have to accept that. And if that becomes something that I want to overcome, I need to look at finding a new job. If I can't find a job that pays me better than this, I need to look at upskilling. I need to look at different industries. I need to look at retraining. You know, these are not things that, we want to look at as options because it takes time and it's not immediate, but that's also the reality of living in our capitalist society. We have to adhere to that capitalist model because that's what we've got to work with. We don't get to opt out, unfortunately, not right now, at least we'll see what the future brings. Um, But I honestly agree in terms of the advice there, like making sure you take care of the essentials Um, and also genuinely like looking through, your local shop for specials and for deals like
0: I understand couponing couponing There's like you know how um over here let's so say over here there's that huge craze of like the mega couponing thing which yeah. may have passed I'm not even sure if stores will allow for the kind of like insane couponing that people used to do but like or or you could look into um bulk shopping you know yeah. you we have um stores where you pay like an annual fee access to their grocery store but then everything is in bulk and if you know that you're going to go through that much food then it's it's totally prudent to do so i've never shopped at one of those places because i was like i can't get through the amount of food that i would be buying you know it's worth considering if you
1: and let's say your partner or you and your roommate are both gainers go in on the shop together and cook meals together, you will find that you will save so much money cohabitating and doing things that way. Um, Looking at specials and looking at different brands and what they offer, looking at different recipes and what you can do as well. I know I talk a lot about cooking and what you can do with that, but honestly, guys, it works. It really does. Like, I make the joke about butter because for me, especially when I started to hit my first real big growth patch, that was my trick. It was, I have a meal in front of me. Let me take half a stick of fucking butter. Let me take a thousand calories and whack it in there. And that's a thousand fucking calories. Half a
0: stick of butter is a thousand calories?
1: It depends. Actually, I think our butter sticks are bigger. Oh, four ounces. So it's the same weight, just shapes differently. Yours are like long and thin, whereas mm-hmm. ours are more like a block. Like one. a block. Uh. Yeah, that's more the difference. But anyways, I stand by that same in butter, shitload of calories, cream, a lot of calories, even whole milk. In different
0: things is calories but it could be tricky if you're
1: lactose intolerant it could be tricky if you're lactose intolerant you know but this is where you need to start looking at other things that have a lot of calories did y'all know that legumes nuts have a fuck ton of calories and also a fuck ton of vitamins and nutrients uh neutrals
0: vitamin, <laughs> vitamin
1: vitamin vitamin that contains vitamin,
0: vitamins, vitamins, vitamins,
1: vitamins, 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 vitamins,
0: vitamins and meat and vegetables and minerals, and minerals yes
1: Uh, That's a reference to I Love Lucy for anyone who (laughs) who does not know. Tim's so old, he
0: was in the audience. Oh, shut Uh, up. (laughs) Laughing, laughing along with Lucille. My grandmother was young when that show came out. (laughs) Anyways,
1: um, but I would say look at key ingredients. Like, do some Googling as well. Especially if you are, like Tim says, lactose intolerant or any other kind of dietary needs. Look at other alternatives, you know? Find the things that are gonna work for you and find ways to try and sneak things into recipes. Honestly, it works a treat. Both in terms Apparently adding rice to anything adds a ton of calories too. I was not aware of this. Rice has a fuckload of calories, kids. Rice has a fuckload of calories. If you don't know what to make, rice. A cheap portion of meat and like literally any like Asian herbs, spices, sauces, mix it together, make a marinade, chuck it in a
0: frying pan or a wok, serve with rice. Do you think your laksa would be good with rice? I've not, I haven't i have tried that. I've only done it with noodles. Laksa would be very good with rice. Anything with rice
1: tends to be very good because rice also soaks up Anymore. The flavor
0: of everything, yeah.
1: So I make a laksa, which is very much like, like it's a fur. So obviously it's not very high in calorie because whatever. But also part of the appetite of a fur is you've got this lovely, uh, like, stark coconut milk, creamy uh, mixture. But also it separates with the oil that you use to fry off all the uh, chicken with the Thai red curry paste and the curry powder. So that's like beautifully flavored. So you could just add extra oil. And like, this is probably one of the few recipes where I'd be like, actually, add an extra splash of oil. That's probably going to go down well. That's a fuckload of calories and you're going to eat it and it's going to make sense with the meal. So again, look at opportunities. Milk doesn't make sense there, but oil does. You're -hmm. making a salad. Add some nuts to that salad, you know, use a particular type of dressing. If you end up making your own mayonnaise, add an extra splodge of oil, add an extra egg yolk, add, add an extra bit of mustard, you know, like do what you need to do to use the resources at hand to get with what you got, right? Mm -hmm. My other bit of advice to listeners would be make a meal plan. And again, I know this probably sounds super boring. This is also helpful when it comes to budgeting, though, because I I always know. know And it's
0: something that I really ought to be doing. I don't do, I don't meal
1: plan. (laughs) When you meal plan, you know what you're making. So when you go to the grocery store, you know exactly the ingredients you need and you can substitute if need be, but also you're not buying excess wondering if you're going to need it. Right.
0: Yeah.
1: It also gets to the point where for me, I've gotten so good with my budgeting, my partner and I, we look at different types of snacks and I mean types as (laughs) in, we've got dry snacks that sit in our little food cupboard. We've got wet snacks that sit in the fridge and we've got cold snacks that sit in the freezer. And we look at those categories every single week because it means i budget now to the point where it doesn't matter what i want when i want it i have access to it Mm -hmm. so this is the kind of thing that you can have the opportunity to do it just takes that extra bit of effort but that's that on that um tim do you think there's anything else with regards to like budgeting or like monetary stuff that you can think of that you've learned that might be good to share with the listeners
0: oh probably just to reiterate the thing about giving yourself grace and being patient um it takes a while to get into your career over here in the us i mean i don't know if it's any different in the uk but over here you know you may graduate with a great degree but it takes you almost 10 years to get to a place where you want to with your job Um, and that's just the reality of working in a capitalist society You're not going to start off at the top. I mean, there's very few professions where you make a ton of money out of the gate. I think one of the few remaining ones is like anything to do with computers. If you're an IT person, you're probably going to make pretty good money from the beginning. But um, otherwise, it's a struggle. You know, if you're someone who wants to go into a public service job, it's going to be a long time before you're making the kind of money that you want to make because they typically do not pay public service jobs that well, which really confuses me. It really confuses me because as a nurse, if you boil down what I do for a living, I prevent death. Mm. That's what I do for a living. I prevent people from dying. Even if the only thing I do is hand them a pill, that pill is meant to keep them alive, right? Mm. And I am paid significantly less than someone who knows binary code.
1: Yeah. You know, it's interesting when you think, uh, like, I've seen this meme going around at the moment. It's like a future in which ai does all the fun stuff like art and writing but humans are the ones doing the horrendous manual labor jobs is not like the fantasy
0: star trek painted for me and that's very true like uh, yeah. yeah i don't think that's i don't think that was supposed to be mankind's dream to have the robots do all the leisurely activity while we're trudging in the muck <laughs> yeah that that seems
1: like something went wrong there uh, <laughs> to, to point out the obvious but you know it, it's true when it comes to a lot of this talking about like just having access to more money in general, that's just going back to the basics of like, do you need a better job? How do you get a better job? And how do you need to train for that job? Do you need to uh, practice at, you know, recruiters? Do you need to do things do you need to upskill? Like who knows, but ultimately this is what it all comes down to. Everything's kind of tied in together to have access to gaining. Cause that's really what this is about, right? Like how do you budget to make gaining easier? How do you live your life to make gaining easier? More money is always going to make that more accessible. But hey-ho, that's the same thing with literally everything. What we can do is the best we can with what we have. So I just want to say here today, if listeners have any suggestions to put out there, um, the things that have worked for them in terms of budgeting, meal planning, meal prepping, specific recipes, ingredients, um, tips and tricks for your local grocery store, anything like that, write into us at thethickradio.gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. And of course, share it with the listeners. Um, but I think that brings us to the end of this week's episode. So thanks everyone for listening. Really appreciate it as always. Uh, like us, give us five stars, leave us a good review. Uh, if you like this episode, the podcast or just us in general, share it with your friends and encourage them to tune in. You can find me on Instagram and beefyfrat at Stanham.
0: And you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, TikTok, and Beefy Frat at Thicky Mouse. You can also look us up on Instagram and TikTok at Thick Radio or at our website at www.podpage.com forward slash Thick Radio. If you want to submit a voice note, you can find the link in the show notes. And if you have any questions or ideas for episodes, you can reach us at thethickradio at gmail.com. So until next time, bye, Fats. Bye, Fats. Let's talk about it.
1: Dick Radio is a Patreon and enter
0: app podcast produced by Stan and Dickie Ness. This and Master by Stan. Our artwork is provided by Loki 2. Our theme song is provided by Body by Craig.